here with one of our favorite guests, uh, Garrett Fueling. Uh, What's Fueling Garrett? It's been about nine months since we had you on, Garrett. Um, and I recall uh, we actually had you on in 2019, and I was listening to some of those podcasts where you were talking about, you know, $17, $18, um, you know, being a realistic price for, uh, you know, carbon and hydroxide. Uh, I think you've been proven right, you know, on that. Welcome back to Rockstock Channel, and thanks for checking in. Before we launch into the interview, we'd like to thank all our Patreon sponsors. And for those of you who are new, share a bit about us. RK Equity is an advisory firm run by Rodney Hooper and me, Howard Klein. We are exclusively focused on raising awareness about companies producing, or developing the next generation critical raw materials that are powering Tesla's EV battery energy transition. Please register your email at rkequity.com and follow Rodney and me on LinkedIn and Twitter. Please also subscribe to this channel, Rockstock Channel on YouTube. Please note, Rodney and me are not financial advisors or broker dealers. Nothing you hear in this video is investment advice. Please do your own research and read the disclaimer at the end of this video or on our website. Just remind everybody, you know who you are, your background, uh, what have you been up to the last you know few months, and then Rodney and I will ask a few more questions. Normally, I regularly advise uh, users, either cattle producers, OEMs, or communities and industrial parks, on on lithium projects. Is the profitability. If you look at incumbents, the higher prices, the cash flows are just not moving yet they're sort of going in the right direction but not moving yet the market is already tight you're seeing battery grade chemical prices in china i think we've got hydroxide based off the price assessments i think about eighteen thousand seven hundred a ton but contract prices are lagging when are we going to see contract prices improve and we're going to see the financials and free cash flows of the incumbents get better as long as as soon as the contracts expire, they they should the incumbents uh, who have longer term contracts should be able to rise the prices. The the issue I think in the last two years with pricing has been that the people like SKM or or Albemarle reduced prices without need. So if they would have kept the their price levels and sacrificed a little bit of, of volume. I think they they would still have had the same uh, the same uh, margins. So and and when the market comes back, you start from a higher volume. So when you make 150,000 tons in total and you, and you sacrifice 20,000 tons, but keep but don't uh, reduce your price by like like SPM did, basically uh, 20, 30 percent or whatsoever. Uh, then it's uh, it's it's better to to stay uh, to to sacrifice volume and, and keep the price. That was always the Rockwood philosophy. Contracts, I think, as far as I remember, will expire end of this year, early next year. Albemarle's longest contracts, I think, have been five years, maybe some a little bit longer, but uh, when they started this in 2016, so they should be through with this long-term, first long-term contracts by end of this year. The situation today is different because when they started, long-term contracts. Luke Kissam was uh, was pushing for long-term contracts in order to justify the investments for his shareholders. I think uh, when they took over Albemarle, uh, when Albemarle took over Rockwood, they didn't realize that they have to keep investing a billion dollars a year in order to expand capacity for a growing market. I would guess that uh, latest in the first quarter next year, you will see much higher prices.
Okay, and, and Herod, so if you look at what the forecasts are for Livent and so on, I think their guidance is 55 to 70 million EBITDA on a three and a half billion market cap. So the cash flows just aren't there to justify the reinvestment. So the question is, when they reset their prices, are they going to be getting, do you think, around spot or, you know, how's that going to play out? And do you think it's realistic when you see a lot of junior commentary and, and, and analyst commentary around what prices people will get? Can a junior and can even the incumbents expect to get where spot is now or is that a completely unrealistic number? If the market short, why should it be unrealistic? Look, you, you go to the customer and tell them, you want me to keep expanding. And for this expansion, I need, I need cash. And if I don't have the margins, I can't expand. So this is a deal, you know? And well, it's you, I mean, Herod, you so I would, I, would, I would not mind if, if I would run the thing, I would go there and tell the guy, okay, it was $8 yesterday or nine, and today it's, and next for the next contract, maybe for, you can make a, a yearly contract and, and uh, blanket order and, and like like we did in the past, and, and then fix it and, and would ask for, for 14 or $15. So what's the point? And because you need this, this is really explainable, you need these margins in order to get, to get uh, ahead with your expansions. But if you look, I agree in terms of this is the question I'm raising is where are the free cash flows for organic growth within companies, but you're seeing share prices at lofty levels and cheap debt and people are growing without the cash flows arriving. It's on the basis that they will arrive. Is that a reasonable thing to be doing now? I think so. You have two, two, two scenarios there. You need the cash not only for expansion, but you need also the cash for, for enhancing or improving uh, quality assurance. So currently, uh, as far as I heard, uh, the, the raw material suppliers say, no, yeah, we have only this amount, let's say 20,000 to 30,000 X thousand metric tons of, of supply, take it or leave it. And if you don't take it, someone else will do. Uh, on the other hand, if you know that you are supplying a critical industry, you need to deliver a product, which is what I say, not battery grade, quality grade, so, but which is fit for purpose. So just picking up on the margins, um, Albemarle a few years ago and the high prices was achieving low 40s EBITDA margins on their lithium business. And they talked to the market and told them that, uh, told the market that uh, that is their long-term objective. In the past few years, they've been in the low 30s. They continue to be low to mid 30s. They continue to be in the low to mid 30s. But do you see uh, with the higher prices, uh, for lithium um, and the subsequent price negotiations that Albemarle should again be able to achieve low 40s margins or should we be thinking long term, you know, in the, in the low to mid 30s? No, I think if you if they want to keep uh, their market position, if they want to keep uh, expanding at the pace they have been doing in the, in the last years, maybe with the exception of the slowdown last year or the last two years, then I think they have to target uh, prices which allow margins of, of uh, mid 40s, no? 45. Otherwise, how do you go to finance this? Costs, both uh, on a CapEx and an OpEx, you know, at, at Camerton in Australia, keep going up, you know, labor shortages, you know, and the like. Um, so, 
the price needs to <laughs> get higher and higher to, to for them to have those margins right as costs are going up yeah but you were you were suggesting that if they could go to current uh, spot pricing and my answer was now yeah, uh, long term i see prices of uh, you said 17 to 18 19 i mean uh, in the shorter run maybe you, you start with 13 to 15 instead of being below 10 that would be a first step so i, I guess i guess the only thing on that uh, period is yes for some producers but when i go through the financials with a fine tooth comb 13 to 15 is not going to do it for some of the incumbents for the more expensive ones this is true uh, if we take the reason if, if we take the the, the spodiumine pricing required to to operate a mine profitable if you're not uh, included and you end up with eight nine hundred or maybe one thousand dollars per per ton of uh, spodiumine concentrate um, then i think i made a calculation very rough over the thumb so you have all you add uh, 800 so that's 560 for the raw material and, and spodiumine then you add opex 250 and 13 percent sdna five percent interest on 700 million so you end up with 10 11 dollars in cost and then you need a 20 percent at least a 20 percent ebit margin so your price should be in the range of 13 to 15 dollars uh, as a uh, minimum no? and if it's higher and if your costs are higher then you probably you need uh, a higher price of 1890 so over the over the long run yeah i just in some of the in some of the the more expensive uh, operators that that seems to to be the case so if we were to say what's the real incentive price you're still comfortable that 1718 is the number yes. longer term. Yes. yeah and it makes what i think what i think many people misunderstand is they talk about OPEX and say that's 250 or 240 or 230 or 270. Uh, the main, the, the, what, what they consider OPEX is not the driver. The main driver for cost is the yield of the plant. That's uh, the driver of the cost. And if, if it's a big difference if you can operate a conversion facility of, uh, at 85 or 90%, or as in some cases, even in China, you, you only operate at 70 just just for the listeners just uh, explain just quickly what you mean by yield uh, if you add if, if you buy if you want to make 20,000 tons of, of lithium carbonate you need uh, around 100, 120 140,000 tons of spodiumine and you convert it and you don't get if this 100, 120,000 tons for example of concentrate contain uh, uh, divided by six, that's uh, twenty thousand tons of uh, of LCEs. It doesn't come. These twenty thousand tons don't come out of the con uh, of the converter, but maybe only fifteen thousand tons come out. Yes, so, so we so we it's a loss in, in during the production. Yeah, so we we estimate about eight tons are needed per LCE. That's six point nine. Take about a fifteen percent haircut, but even then, what you're saying is it can be worse than that. Yeah. And, and the causes of that, so people can give them a sense? Uh, the, the, main or the main reason is that fluctuations in, in the consistency, if, if the spodium concentrate is not consistent, uh, read it's uh, fluctuating in grain size distribution, it's fluctuating in chemical composition, 
uh, it creates uh, uh, issues in, in, the, in the conversion process. So it's on the paper, it looks simple, but it needs a lot of experience to keep it stable and to, to operate it uh, smooth. Otherwise, you have impurity breakthroughs, you have clogging, you have, in particular, uh, scaling in, in the plant and things like this. So this all reduces uh, the productivity of the plant. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard of instant shutting down the kiln like every three weeks and having to clean it out and so on. So can make a big difference. Yeah, cleaning and, and, and the, if, if, if you have uh, higher mica contents, it's, a, it's an issue. If you have um, uh, fluctuating chemistry, then uh, scaling can be an issue. So a conversion facility needs, even if you make brine, needs a, the scaling you need uh, maybe every four weeks, just a number. You need an acid wash to, to reduce or to get rid of the, the scalings. And okay, so, so translating and that instead of four back. weeks, if, if you have it instead of four weeks, you have it in, in every two weeks, you, you run for, for a week, it's a week long operation sometimes, then uh, you reduce your, your, your output. So, so, just to translate that back to what you said earlier, if someone has a significantly lower yield and spodumin is $800 or $1,000 a ton and you need an extra kilo, that's a dollar. 80 cents to a dollar effectively that's your point is it doesn't it's not all about how cheaply you do it no great so you need good qualities good quality uh Spodumin matters you need consistent material yes garrett um you're saying basically 17 to 18 dollars is your uh, long-term incentive price and you say you don't advise so much you know junior miners uh, too much but more so um the users the cathodes the oems battery you know and auto as you speak to these end users um have they understood this 17 to 18 dollar and and are like when albemarle negotiates with them they're gonna be like okay i get it now um this is the price i need to give or are are they still not you know um understanding this i think in the, from the past i don't know what they what the negotiation these days are but um in the past they they argued your yeah, your cost is not 10 your cost is five <laughs> if you have 10 you have already enough margin so that's the approach uh, very often um uh, the, because the incentive price is 187080 is not for for Albemarle or SQM it's for incumbents or newcomers right okay but why shouldn't Albemarle and SQM and and, and the like you know get the full <laughs> value of uh, you know the alternative price you know well, why do they deserve to uh, you know give up that margin this is a question uh, you have to ask uh, Eric Norris, Kent Masters, and the guys from SQM or Paul Graves. I don't understand this because uh, this we never had the thinking. So this is probably a matter of pricing uh, theories and, and how to develop prices and things like that. Okay, but, but if you're sitting in, in GM shoes or um, any of these other groups that have uh, Stellantis, you know, they're, they're saying, hey, we're, we're going to get, you know, from the Salton Sea geothermal, um, you know, we're going to solve our, our lithium problems. Um, but they didn't like uh, announce any, you know, major investments or, or offtake, you know, terms. Uh, I, I just, I still, your 17 to $18 is still higher 
than even the increasingly bullish analysts that have come out, you know, Canaccord, uh, Macquarie, um, Evercore, JP Morgan have all recently put out very bullish notes, um, kind of agreeing with you and, and Rodney, you know, for the past year or two years, you know, they've brought forward, you know, their deficit numbers. Uh, but still their prices, they're not willing to kind of stick their neck out and, and say 17, 18. They, they basically say supply is going to come on stream and it'll kind of long-term settle like, you know, 14, 15, 16. Uh, when you move the demand line to the right on the industry cost curve, you get, you, you have to have uh, or put in place higher uh, or lower grade uh, resources. Uh, like lepidolite and 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 all things and these things have inherent higher costs so in, in the past we we said now if if volumine uh, conversion uh, cost you uh, maybe five six seven dollars then uh, lepidolite would be around 10 but costs have been increasing so uh, then you may may see some some period where the price is going to be 13 to 15 maybe but uh, then you will need later to, to bring additional um, projects on stream. We will, we will see increased prices. I want to share a couple of slides here. This is from Pilbara Minerals presentation and shows over here uh, Chinese spodumene converters you know, as of 2012, basically eight facilities in operations. So that includes Ganfeng, General Lithium. As of 2020, there, there are... Uh, you know, 20 facilities in operation um, and 15 additional facilities at various stages of construction. So again, it includes a number of expansions um, at Ganfeng, it includes, you know, Albemarle, you know, Tangxi, you know, and, and a number of others. And I just saw, and I shared with you a, um, uh, you know, news article about a Chinese uh, iron ore miner uh, basically saying they're going to uh, develop a 20,000 ton lithium hydroxide plant and the cost is only going to be $164 million. And if you compare that to what SQM and West Farmers, you know, for 50,000 tons, it's going to cost 1.4 billion. And the cost overruns, you know, at, at Tangxi, uh, Quinana, and the cost overruns, you know, at Kemerton. Um, how do you, you know, the, the Pilbara is obviously arguing, we have lots of, we're a swing supplier, we have lots of spodumene, look at all these additional new customers that we could sell into, the leverage is, is coming back to the spodumene supplier. The capital intensity is so low in China to convert spodumene relative to elsewhere, you know, if there weren't geopolitical considerations, if there wasn't, um, you know, sustainability, because a lot of this is coal fired, considerations, um, you'd build everything in, in, in China. What do you think of that? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna share another um, slide uh, from Piedmont Lithium's presentation, which shows all of the conversion currently in the world in China. They show Western Australian hard rock, you know, some of which will have downstream. You have North America, so this is Quebec, Ontario, and North Carolina, um, where you have hard rock and conversion plan. Then you have South America, AMG and Sigma, a number of plays in Africa, a few plays in Europe. Uh, so, and Pilbara and some of these Western Australian ones, you know, can uh, export not just to China, but to, to other locations. But again, the capital intensity is so incredibly low in China relative to everywhere else in the world. How do you see this playing out 
you know, in terms of where things are developed. I think my reality is that uh, during the next three, four years, uh, materials will have to come out of China because there is no other converter. It's, it's as simple as it is. And, uh, but medium to long term, uh, we see movements in, uh, in, in Europe that uh, merchant converters are, uh, or that there are companies trying to set up merchant converters. Um, and uh, in the US, it's, 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 it's similar. So in the US, you have uh, uh, Piedmont moving in, uh, in Europe. I think Levista is, is on, the, on the screen of, of some companies. Uh, then in Russia, that's still on the on the European side. Helmac is is doing a conversion plant. Caliber is is basically, as far as I got it, uh, starting with a conversion plant only and uh, not developing the mine in, in the first run. But I'm not sure about this here. AMG is has, has, is uh, is establishing a lithium hydroxide purification facility as a first step in Europe and may add a converter maybe in Brazil. And I think medium term, uh, Sigma has a similar uh, plan. So um, yes, uh, China will certainly be uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the driver's seat. Uh, not everybody building plants in China, conversion plants in China will qualify. So Ganfeng certainly yes, Tianqi um, yes, Yahua uh, we have and General Lithium, but that's, that's it more or less. China has about 75% of cathode conversion capacity. And if you look at benchmarks, rollouts going forward, yes, we're seeing plants building in Europe and elsewhere, but it looks as if that 75 is set to go higher. So in the end, regardless of where you produce the lithium, there's a high chance you're going to be sending it to China one way or the other. What's going to break that stranglehold? Are we going to see a material investment into, you know, into back integration once the U.S. has cell plants? Will we see more in Europe? I mean, what's going to turn the tide on that? Because at the moment, it looks like it's China, China, yeah, China with, with a bit. And, and also the other thing is, you know, who is going to be able to produce LFP cathode at a competitive price outside of China? So first of all, you will need, all these converters need spodiumine. And if they don't get the spodiumine, they're not converting anything. So, and, and the cath for the cathode is similar. Uh, you have two, three, we mentioned this earlier, uh, Yumiko is setting up a, a cathode uh, facility in, in, in Poland. They have ample land, so they, they can build, I don't know, maybe 80, 100,000 or something more uh, tons of cathode there. Uh, BASF is building a plant in, 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 in Germany and uh, EcoPro as well. And uh, we see movements from Johnson Methe in, in, in other locations. And I think we will see cathode plants in, in the US as well, as, as, as soon as there is a market for, for sales. Uh, but it takes a bit of time. So uh, the Chinese are quick in establishing plants. Uh, but I think. Uh, from also from geopolitics uh, viewpoint that uh, European or American suppliers will ask for at least some share to be produced in their, in their home yard. And we think that's fair and I guess, you know, spodumin concentrate is uh, the quickest route to supply. And if you look at what's going on in ours, you've got Greenbushes that's spoken for, you've got Wajina that's spoken for, they said they're going to use it on their own. 
We have the US as the fastest demand growth rate in the world. We think it's going to go from 20 gigawatt hours to 600 in 2030, given subsidies and uptake in EV. So as a growth rate, it's the fastest. Um, and if you're saying they'll want some cathode supply domestically, it makes sense to have then the raw materials. You know, do you think Canada can be the next frontier? Yeah, certainly. The Canadian ores are historically the sodium uh, has been mined in Canada. Tanko belonged to, which is now uh, in Chinese hands, has been mined for technical grades. Uh, that's money, Lake, Lake Burnick. In Manitoba, so they, they have been mining uh, technical grades for you mean for a long time. Uh, then uh, you had Canada lithium uh, in the 60s. Uh, you've uh, now new resources like uh, critical elements, frontier. So there are, there are a lot of pegmatites which um, can be developed and they have, have a good quality ore. So it's uh, most of those things are. Have, have a relatively low impurity profile. So uh, they should be workable. Do you think it's um, advantageous if a project is a DMS only, so it doesn't involve any flotation, you just crush and backfill? If this is, but this depends on all. If, if this is possible, it's easier. If you have flotation, you have, uh, you have to add processing steps. Yes, and I'm saying from a permitting as well, if, you, if you're negotiating with, with various parties, if you're saying, look, I'm, I'm not doing flotation, I'm just doing DMS. Uh, permitting, I, uh, sorry uh, to interrupt. Uh, permitting, I meant the conversion plan. So, yes, uh, okay. So, yeah. okay. Uh, that's a major issue because when you, uh, if you apply uh, an acidic process, for example, like like the Australians or the Chinese, uh, basically this is you won't get any permits in Europe for this. In, yeah. or, at least not in Germany. And um, the the European uh, permitting, uh, the environmental laws is, uh, are pretty similar everywhere or the same. Um, you will have uh, issues. So if you plan an acidic process here in Germany, it's a no go. So it's are you saying Metsu Metsu Otutech is the way to go? Uh, yes, it's a way to go. Still, it's not that simple no? to, to, to get rid of your tailings and, and byproducts. Yeah, it's it maybe a bit easier, but uh, for the other processes, probably uh, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's very, very difficult. We dig a little bit deeper into that because um, this whole thing about acid, uh, you know, Tesla just put out their sustainability report and they reiterated what they said last year uh, is that um, they don't like acid, right? You know, and they don't like um, the, the sulfate free, you know, and acid free when they're looking at, you know, both their hard rock as well as, you know, their, their, their clay patent. Um, and, but Metsu Odutech is in, I'm not an expert here at all, but you know, it's an alkaline leach process Critical Elements has tested that. Uh, Caliber is using that. Uh, Piedmont is using that. Um, Holmec is using that. It seems to be uh, where the, the direction of the, is going in the future. I understood from you that actually this is this same alkaline leach process is what Camel Lithium used, you know, in the fifties and sixties. So it's not actually that new a process, but in Western Australia, like Kemerton's not using that. Quinana's not using that. Um, 
they're using acidic processes. I don't know if you know what SQM and West Farmers are using. This isn't what, you know, they use the acidic process in China. So help us understand this, I guess, alkaline leach, Metsu Odutech, and, and why that's how it's going to work, you know, in Europe, you know, and, and the US. And might it also be the way that Australia, you know, and, and China go in time? If you have your converter next to your mine, then and then you can backfill the tailings uh, probably you have a different situation but in europe we we don't have any we may have a converter but we don't have any for the time being uh, any feasible mine so infinity it's close to a big city two, two kilometers uh, it's hard to believe that they will get a permit to, to operate and the only uh, mine you could uh, think of the two mines is uh, zinwald deutsche lithium uh, zinwald uh, lithium and, and uh, European metal holdings, which operate a different, uh, which have to operate a different process because it's a different ore. It's a symbolic cord. These guys um, can basically backfill. And the moment you can backfill and you have close to a mine, at least in Europe, if that's the case, then uh, you have solved uh, naya, maybe 60 to 70 percent of, of your waste uh, disposal problems. So, uh, and, and I don't know the situation or the, the environmental regulations in, the, in, 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 uh, in Australia, but basically, uh, if you have an operation in Queen Anna or Camerton, you can use the tailings and backfill in, into, the, into the open pit you, you have opened. As I understand it, that they have to ship back the waste back to the mine. So, I mean, it's yes. traveling 100 to 200 miles or kilometers. Uh, but matter. then after the process, it, it, you know, it's an extra cost, um, you know, to, to them, but they're, they are able to ship it back. But you're saying in Europe, um, you know, and certain places in in U.S. and in Canada where space and populations um, are are more dense, that uh, uh, you need a process that has less tailings and, and less tailings that are, are, are toxic. And when the tailings are acidic and you make use of, of groundwater for, for tap water like we do in Europe or at least in Germany, then uh, it's an issue. Yeah. So uh, aside from this, you have to dispose if you make 20,000 tons of carbonate or hydroxide, you have in the range of 20,000 tons of sodium sulfate. So what to do with that? I'm not sure whether there's a real market when you Google it, uh, it's a million tons market or more, but uh, I think it's in, in some areas still used for washing powders or so, but uh, I'm not sure about this, whether you can really get uh, uh, to dispose it in such an industry. Yeah, and uh, sodium sulfate is highly soluble, so you, you have to, to just, it's a bit of a nightmare to, to dispose it if you have to, and if you have no outlet. In China, uh, I'm not sure. At the moment, everybody is dumping it in their, in their, in their backyard, but uh, on the long run, uh, I wonder how the uh, authorities in Jiangxi, where Albemarle and Ganfeng are operating, uh, are going to treat these tailings. It's a big operation and the tailing mountains get higher and higher. So you, 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 see, a you see a long-term issue with um, all of these sulfuric acid roast projects that are ramping up. I mean, again, these are... Uh, Al Morla Camerton no, is, is talking about going to like a hundred thousand um, using yeah, that process. I'm not seeing Kemet, but Kemet can backfill, uh, so they they just transport it back to green bushes. Yeah, 
but uh, in China, uh, I, I, I wonder how they, it's not in all cases, so you may have special dumps where you, where you can do this. So we, we could think about uh, a, a dump, a waste dump, tailings dump here in, in Germany, but it's hard to get uh, approved and it takes, it's, it's, it's close to impossible. But if you, if you go for it, maybe five, six, seven years, if it meets uh, resistance in the, uh, from the local community, uh, it will be difficult. In China, it might be different because the government can say, okay, here's a location and if you do it right, you can, you can put your tailings there. I'm not sure the, how this is going to develop because in China, things can happen very quick. Uh, like with the rare earth, when they mined it in, in, in Mongolia, in Mongolia, uh, and and whole whole areas were contaminated with thorium, and suddenly in 2000, also to punish the Japanese, maybe they consolidated these operations and uh, imposed uh, stricter environmental rules. So uh, this is something which might happen. Sherid, your thoughts on? what the potential impact short and long term is of all the political risk and the financial risk in South America at the moment, all the threats and so on. I live in Africa. Every time we have a commodity boom, everyone wants to come out and tax it and do something to it. How do you perceive the, the risk in South America? So the Chileans, I think, have moved with their schemes on royalties and taxations for Albemarle and SQM, which uh, sees a larger portion of profits uh, in moving to the uh, yeah, tax coffers of, of, the, of the government. In Argentina, uh, it depends. So they, they, they always impose an, an export tax and then reduce it again. This is probably more difficult to plan. But I mean, uh, Liven's been operating there since the 90s. You can do, yeah. So I, I think the projects will move on, at least the existing ones. A question related to that is, what quality and price do, do you sell exported from Argentina or Chile, right? Because Oracobre is looking to sell a lower quality and convert it elsewhere. So the margin will be elsewhere. Likewise, Galaxy at Saldivita has suggested that um, and to some extent, Livent, as we understand, uh, transfer pricing, you know, it's not like they're producing super high quality carbonate, you know, and then exporting it. Uh, and then when you look at SQM, SQM is not focused on quality at all. They just were focused on volume and, and price. To some extent, that's, um, you know, they're incentivized to do that by the uh, royalty regime and also their... Uh, concession only goes to 2030 and they were given like a certain number of, you know, volume of, of tons, you know, to produce there, but they, they don't seem very focused on producing high quality in South America um, and, uh, and exporting it at a high price. They're, they're, they're letting um, the value, you know, be, be elsewhere. The only company that seems to be you know pursuing that you know is Ganfeng and, and Lithium America as they say that they're, they're going to produce you know the, the high battery grade uh, you know in Argentina but like I have the same you know concern you know as Rodney if you have super profits if you have 40 50 percent margins um, and your your countries where um, 
there's political, you know, there's not a lot of export earnings. Um, and you say, well, those are super profits. We're, we're just going to, you know, take that. So I guess, what do you think about that? What, what in terms of the strategies of the various companies, you know, and the likelihood that, um, you know, the high taxes will, will come, you know, if they're super profits. I think in Chile, uh, we never were afraid of the, the taxes and the royalties we have uh, to pay. I think the decision uh, for, for whether you uh, export a higher or lower grade uh, is depending on what you do with the material. So Liven is basically only uh, selling uh, lithium hydroxide. They, they said they would like to, to, to sell uh, a bit more carbonate into, into certain markets. But if you convert everything in, into into hydroxides, uh, there is purification step outside. So you don't you don't have technically the need uh, to go for a, for a so-called battery grade uh, product. Um, and the same is the case for now for Oro Cobre uh, because they have they are building um, the, with Toyota Tsusha the, the conversion uh, the carbonate hydroxide conversion facility in, in Japan. And uh, uh, the same is the case in, in a bit for, for SQM, who is uh, you know, selling uh, carbonate into, into hydroxides, uh, carbonate hydroxide conversions into China. And, and Oro Cobre is, is a little bit difficult because when they started, I don't know, 12, 13 years or so almost ago, to build a carbonate plant in, in Argentina, they basically yeah, made design errors. So they believe they can, uh, they, they forgot that uh, lithium bicarbonate precipitates at 4,000 meters altitude. In, in that case, you, you don't get a battery. So you, you need a, a different process. You need basically a recrystallization, uh, which is difficult to, to, more difficult to do in, in 4,000 meters than it is in, in La Negra at, at 500 or 600 meters. So uh, there are a lot of technical issues you have to think about when operating in, in high altitudes. And as far as I understand, the three Carabras, neo, this is neolithium in Argentina, they are planning the conversion plant, not at, at, the, at, the, at the place of the Salah, but down at, well, I don't know, 1,000 meters or 1,500 meters altitude. So in that case, you can uh, easily add a, a big a crystallization step and, and obtain a higher purity material. So it's it's more, in my opinion, in many cases, uh, not 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 driven by taxation, but uh, more by uh, by technical requirements or technical capabilities. Very interested to see uh, Ganfeng, you know, and Lithium America's technical capabilities, um, you know, with that project commissioning you know next year zero to forty thousand tons uh they are doing the conversion you know at not at the low altitude so um i'm sure they've learned from or mistakes. you can do it at a high altitude but you need a, a, a different type of equipment it's not rocket science uh, but the reason ganfeng and is, is doing this is because they have a market for 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 this carbonate as well yeah, so they have they have uh, the, the hydroxide production from spolumene uh, in, in 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 China, and uh, now they, they make the carbonate uh, for, maybe for their LFP production. 